This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Biomega Fish Oil from Biotics Research. For over 40 years, Biotics Research has been providing the highest quality supplements, surpassing industry standards. Biomega Fish Oil contains therapeutic doses of vital omega-3s in the triglyceride form, which is highly bioavailable. Biotics Research ensures maximum purity and freshness by managing their fish oils from catch to capsule, verified by rigorous independent testing. For more information, go to drhoffman.com slash bioticsresearch. That's drhoffman.com slash bioticsresearch for Biomega fish oil. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and today we're going to talk about uh, neuroplasticity and how you can enhance uh, your brain health. No, it's not a necessarily a downward course inexorably. Uh, you can actually uh, support your brain function, condition it, and uh, optimize its status. And to tell us about that, we have on hand a board-certified neurologist. He's Dr. Philippe Duyan. And he is the CEO and originator of the Inley Brain Fit Institute. And the way he came about it was uh, kind of interesting. Uh, I came across an app, uh, which was a Brain Fit app. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, it's an app that uh, is entertaining and enjoyable. And it's also a teaching app. And uh, the uh, it's available to you via the usual sources uh, on your mobile device, your iPad, your computer, and you can become better informed about what it takes to be brain fit. Uh, but today, we're going to hear directly from the doctor. Dr. Dion, it's a pleasure having you on the program. Well, thank you for having me on the program. I've been looking forward to this. Well, great. Uh, you, give us a little bit of uh, information about your background, because uh, you and I, it turns out, uh, trained at the same place at uh, NYU here in New York. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, I did my residency at NYU uh, some time back now, uh, which was a great place to to learn and get to uh, meet people from all backgrounds and see all the different things that affect people's health. Indeed. So, uh, but did you start out uh, thinking that you were going to move into this area of uh, uh, looking at uh, natural lifestyle factors and supplements in relationship to brain health, or was this something that you evolved towards? I think it's something that I, I evolved towards. Um, a little bit about me, I, I've undergone my own health issues since I was about 18 years old. And for me, one of the things that has always kept me healthy and always kept me strong are the daily lifestyle choices that I've, I've made. And so, you know, our training as medical doctors is, is, is very focused on medications and procedures, but I took some of what helped me and applied that to patients and, and saw that the impact that I was having on their lives. Indeed. So uh, what are some of the elements of brain health? Uh, you know, you have a neuroplasticity blog uh, where you kind of run down some of the important pieces. And it's not, you know, one shot deal. It's not like go to a health food store and take, uh, you know, whatever, the, the latest, greatest brain supplement. Yeah, that's part of the picture, but it's it's more of a, comprehensive approach, right? Sure, absolutely. You know, we, we used to think that we were born with a certain amount of neurons 
um, and we just lost them as we got older. Um, and it's not really until the last 10 to 15 years that we realized that our brains can continue to make new neurons, uh, make new connections, as long as we're giving our brains what they need uh, on a regular basis, and, and certainly moving away from the things that have a negative impact on our brains. Um, and one of the biggest promoters of neuroplasticity, one of the things that really gets our brains to make a lot of new neurons is exercise. Exercising on a regular basis is is incredibly important, not just for our bodies, but for our brain health. And there's some uh, natural substances that get enhanced uh, by exercise, plus exercise improves cerebral circulation. There are probably several ways in which exercise can be beneficial. Also, exercise uh, seems to be uh, so important at, at activating the brain circuitry, maybe even more so than doing crossword puzzles. Yeah, you know, it, it's the biggest inducer of releasing a lot of these chemicals, especially uh, chemicals like brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which gets your brain to make a lot of new neurons, a lot of new connections, um, as well as it helps release some of the substances that keeps our blood vessels really healthy and keeps our, our body and brains making new blood vessels. So getting enough blood flow and nutrients to the brain. So what's a reasonable program of exercise to attain these benefits for, say, a, a 60-plus individual? Because that's the age, I think, where people start really wondering, you know, am I losing it? You know, I don't remember. You know, I just saw a movie. I can't remember the name of the actor. Uh, you know, what's on my schedule for uh, next week, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, things that younger people maybe forget. But when you get older, you, maybe you're more concerned. So I always tell people that, you know, exercise is a very personal choice and everybody, um, what works really well for one person doesn't necessarily work well for another person in terms of their level of interest um, and, and what they're capable of in that moment. But ideally, you want something that's going to combine both aerobic activity as well as complex motor movements. Um, dancing is really great. I grew up playing tennis. I think playing tennis is really great. Um and something a lot of people can do well into their 60s and 70s, it seems. I mean, gudging from the, <laughs> the age of some of the people I see on the court. Absolutely. You know, tennis is a, it's a game for life. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of writing an article now um, about the impact that tennis has on the brain. And when you look at all these professional tennis players, so many of them speak multiple languages, yet they don't spend you know, more than two or three weeks at a time in any particular country. But they're able to pick up these things um, a lot faster. Um, and I think it's because of the impact that training, playing tennis, being so active, the impact that that has on the brain that makes their brain that much more efficient. And, and you know, there's, more, there's some specific research on the role of exercise in Parkinson's, Parkinson's disease, of course, a condition uh, which uh, impairs movement. But certain types of exercise, I believe there's a, a type of uh, exercise bike which is sort of like a motorized exercise bike. It's something that, you know, gets a little bit of support from an internal motor uh, and moves you, but kind of keeps you moving forward. One of the problems with Parkinson's patients, they tend to have halting gait. Is that is that been well established that that can help? Yeah, you know, and one of the things that we often see with Parkinson's patients, right, it's a movement disorder, and people are losing their ability to move. Um, and so oftentimes they just stop even trying to move, and they need to be doing the things that they're losing. Um, and so you want to get them moving, whether or not they're able to do it on their own and do 
sort of like shadow boxing, which is great mm-hmm. um, for people with Parkinson's. Or if you get them on an exercise bike that uses a little bit of stimulus and gets them to keep pedaling and keep moving. Yeah, I, I think there's specially adapted uh, bikes. Maybe you get them in uh, rehab clinics. Uh, which are designed specifically for Parkinson's patients, they should take advantage of that. And I saw a wonderful, uh, I guess it was, you know, one of those uh, 60-minute specials about Parkinson's patients uh, engaged in boxer size. And it was remarkable because some of them went from, you know, being virtually uh, stone-cold paralyzed to uh, doing a pretty good imitation of Muhammad Ali. Right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the, the movement is key. Um, and we see this in, in all types of neurological disorders where somebody has an impairment and they stop using that, that, that part of their body. Um, and that's exactly what they need to be doing is, is doing the thing that they feel like they've lost. Um, that's what's going to get your brain stimulated. That's what's going to give your best, your brain the best chance of recovery. Well, let's talk about another lifestyle factor, which is, uh, in short supply and most people aren't getting enough of it. And, uh, no, it's not sex, although we could talk about <laughs> the effect of sex on the brain. Uh, but it's sleep. Uh, what, what about sleep? What impact does that have? So sleep is incredibly important. And I think a significant number of Americans are sleep deprived. Um, and we need, at the very least, on average, depending on age, to be getting anywhere from six to eight hours of sleep per night. During that period of time, your brain is active. Your brain is clearing itself of, of the toxins that have built up throughout the day. Um, it is making um, new memories for you. Um, it is facilitating the learning process. So anything that you've learned throughout the day, it's strengthening that. Um, so sleep is incredibly important. So uh, is there an optimal amount of sleep that we should be striving for? Does it vary with age? I mean, sometimes older people don't sleep as well. Yeah, so it, it certainly varies with age. Um, you know, like I said, in general, it's about six to eight hours. Sometimes, um, I think ideally we'd like to see maybe teenagers get a little bit more because their brains mm-hmm. are going through a, a tremendous amount of change. And unfortunately, those statistics are miserable when it comes to that because of the screen time. You know, they're spending a lot of time on uh, social media, MySpace and so on. And, you know, whether it's... Uh, uh, in front of the parents or, you know, under the covers, <laughs> they're online. That's right, yeah. You know, teenagers do a lot of things really well, but getting enough sleep is not one of them. Indeed, <laughs> so, yeah, they, and they need yeah. more. So uh, is it is it possible that um, a, a, an early life sleep deficit can set the stage for uh, neurological problems, because if that's the case, uh, both of us are doomed. You know, we trained at NYU. Uh, we were on every third night, if you remember. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, or can we correct that, you know, with better habits later on? Well, I don't know if you can ever catch up on the sleep that you've lost. Um, but certainly, you know, just because you've, you've gone through a period of time where you're not getting enough sleep, it's not an excuse to keep not getting enough sleep. You want to adopt really healthy sleep patterns, um, better late than never. Um, but, but certainly not getting enough sleep can be associated with a lot of uh, neurological uh, disorders, especially developing cognitive impairments. Okay, folks, at this point, let's pause and allow one of our sponsors to share this important message with you. This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Propax with NT Factor, a complete vitamin and mineral formula. 
NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, whether it be age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor repairs damaged cells, restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years, and now the 45-day money-back guarantee you have nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158. That's 800-982-9158. Or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. Now back to our guest, Dr. Philippe Doyon. Another thing that is really a memory robber, and, you know, and I see it all the time with my patients. I have patients who come in, and, you know, they may be uh, 56 or 62 or 71, and they're all complaining that they can't focus, they can't remember. Uh, they're worried that they're experiencing pre-Alzheimer's, you know, early-onset dementia. And they're very anxious about it, which actually makes things worse. In fact, it's it's kind of a chicken-and-egg thing. The, the Does the anxiety... Uh, rob you of memory? Can it actually damage the brain? Absolutely. So when we think about anxiety um, and, and anxiety and stress, you know, anxiety is very much a physical reaction. Uh, but the stress associated with that can have a really negative impact on the brain. And in fact, if your body is at a heightened level of stress, you're going to be producing a lot of cortisol. Um, and that cortisol will specifically have a negative impact on the neurons uh, in the places responsible for making short-term memory, uh, so especially in, in the hippocampi. Mm-hmm. And so that causes significant memory problems for people when they have a, a significant level of stress and anxiety. So it literally can shrink the part of your brain, the, the hippocampus, which is responsible for memory and, and uh, uh, memory retrieval. Uh, yeah. I think that's been been shown. Um, so, you know, what are we to do about that? I mean, there's taking anti-anxiety medication, uh, or is that just a way of artificially tamping down uh, the feeling of anxiety? Uh, without changing the biochemistry, the negative biochemistry that damages the brain. Yeah, so oftentimes, you know, most medications we, we take are, are symptom control. They're not necessarily cures for things. Um, and anxiety is a very normal part of life. There are very normal situations where we feel anxious. Uh, it becomes a problem when the anxiety um, is out of proportion to a, to a potential threat, um, when there's no significant threat there, but we still feel anxious, and when the anxiety is chronic. Um, and sometimes it's certainly about making certain lifestyle choices, um, having somebody that you can talk to uh, about some of the things that are making you feel anxious, but but certainly medications can also help. Right. Yeah, things like cognitive behavioral therapy have actually been shown to uh, change brain biochemistry in ways similar to medications. You know, they talk about, well, you have a... You have a uh, uh, some sort of biochemical or chemical imbalance in your brain, so therefore take a medication. Well, the same thing can happen with good talk therapy. Absolutely, absolutely. And in fact, I have a, a really good uh, friend of mine who suffers from significant anxiety. So what he does every day is he plays tennis. Oh, okay. And that's how he manages his anxiety. A- exercise is really a good Exercise. antidote to anxiety. And, you know, for me, 
exercises, yeah, you know, uh, good for my heart, good for my cardiovascular system, protects my brain. Uh, but it also gives me a feeling of, of well-being. And it, you know, to the extent you get the jitters, uh, you know, after you exercise, is sort of a, a calming effect usually. Absolutely. Yep. So, so being active on a regular basis is, is incredibly important for a lot of different reasons. Indeed. Uh, so, uh, what about uh, the effects of diet? Because, you know, I think a lot has been said, uh, especially in recent years, about uh, the impact of, of diet uh, on the brain. And, uh, by the way, this is a good point at which to mention that uh, you have a wonderful app, the Brain Fit app. Is that correct? Is it called the Brain Fit app? Yeah, it's called Dr. Dion's Brain Fit, uh, which is a, a game uh, that teaches people about how eating right and exercise impacts their overall health, but especially the health of their brains. Um, so available in the App Store and, and in Google Play, and Brain Fit is, is one word. And it's only nineteen ninety five on. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It's it's a free, no, no, it's, it's a free. App. It's a completely free. <laughs> right. And okay, so in in this app, uh, you know, when I first saw it, I thought, okay, well, this is an app that's designed to be sort of a brain calisthenics thing. You know, like you, you the the better, the quicker you respond, the better. And it's but it's not that. It's actually more of an informational app. Correct. Absolutely. It, it, you know, it's a game designed to, to empower people. So people understand that there are choices that they can make every day that have an impact on their brain for the better. Um, and I feel like oftentimes uh, people feel like they have no control of their neurological destiny. Um, but I, I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think if we make healthy choices on a regular basis, um, that it gives us a lot of control. And sometimes things happen, we still get sick, but we certainly want our bodies to be in the best position possible to fight off any illness. Before we get to, to diet, you know, let's talk about, you know, you've been in the field for a long time, and presumably you go, you get the neurological journals, you know, Neuron and things like that, uh, and you go to the neurological uh, conventions, whatever the professional society is that right. you belong to. Uh, are you encouraged or disappointed uh, at the progress towards eradicating some of these uh, very devastating neurological conditions, you know, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, uh, ALS. Uh, are we going to come up with a medical solution, or is this is one of the reasons you're advocating for lifestyle change because that doesn't loom as a immediate possibility? Yeah, you know, I think the interest is certainly there. Right, we we want people to be as healthy as possible. Um, but I do think that we're, we're a ways away from eradicating Alzheimer's disease or dementias in general or, um, you know, or even Parkinson's. I think there's still a lot of, a lot of work to be done. And so a lot of what I see on a regular basis, uh, whether it's strokes or epilepsy or dementias, um, it's because of the impact that preventable chronic diseases are having on people's brains. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, for that reason, it's why I'm advocating for lifestyle changes for people. Yeah, because otherwise, the I would imagine that the field of neurology could be frustrating uh, because the ability to diagnose uh, is far outstripped by the inability to treat. In other words, you could you can slice and dice and come up with, you know, you can determine whether someone's suffering from Alzheimer's disease versus Lewy body dementia. Uh, but then what? 
what's what's the next step? Right. You know, and and sometimes it can be. Um, sometimes you can have a significant impact on people's lives. Um, oftentimes, that's not going to be necessarily with medication. Right. So even the medications that people potentially take for Alzheimer's disease, they're certainly not curative at at best. Maybe they slow the process down. I'm not. I'm not even sure how we accurately uh, determine mm-hmm. that to be the case. Um, but you know, when you get people making certain changes, um, whether it is exercising, eating right, um, having different conversations with different people, um, learning on a regular basis, getting outside of their homes, uh, you can see some pretty significant changes. I think the, the routines are often killing us that we engage in. Yeah, and before we get to diet, because uh, you know I want to give that uh, a good allocation of time, uh, you mentioned social connection, and the opposite of social connection is loneliness. And recently there have been some uh, articles, uh, I think there was this, just this weekend on uh, the CBS Morning Show, uh, there was this very interesting feature on loneliness and how uh, loneliness according to at least one expert who's an expert on the subject, uh, is as devastating as smoking in terms of being a risk factor for dying, for cardiovascular disease, hypertension, and, of course, those certainly related to neurodegenerative disease. So you, you're saying, you know, get out, you know, get out of yourself, uh, make a connection with people, uh, be involved in some kind of regular activities, uh, not just via Facebook or, you know, on a mobile device, but with actual people in front of you. Absolutely. I mean, social connection is key. And, you know, with all this social media around, uh, I often say we're actually a lot more antisocial, right? I mean, you need the face-to-face conversations. You need to be able to hear uh, people's voices. Our levels of self-esteem should not be determined by how many followers we have, um, how many likes that we get when we post something. Um, and, and certainly when you look at social media, oftentimes people paint this perfect picture of what their life is like, even though that that's not necessarily mm-hmm. the case. And that can you be know, very, very uh, <laughs> disturbing to people where, you know, when things aren't going so perfectly. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, this weekend also, uh, I'm not sure if it was the same program talking about uh, loneliness, but there was a program where they, they talked about Teenagers on social media, who tend to be on social media the most, mm-hmm. tend to be the loneliest. Mm-hmm. You know, and you would think that that's not the case, but those are the people that are really isolated. And in fact, I've had to send people um, to rehab for addiction to social mm-hmm. media. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so obviously, a social connection is an ingredient in a comprehensive lifestyle program for neuroplasticity and brain preservation. Uh, is, uh, and that argues for family cohesiveness. It argues for, uh, participation sometimes in, uh, religious activities because that provides a framework for socialization, uh, traditional, uh, family arrangements, uh, which is breaking down in this society. Yeah. You know, it's really important to surround yourself with people that are going to support you. Um, and you're right, a lot of the traditional family structures and organizational structures are breaking down. And so that's why it, it, we've got to be really active about seeking that out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, that, and that means, you know, stepping outside of our homes, joining different organizations, learning to, a, a new hobby, um, 
and and yeah, it, it's about being active and not necessarily passive because that stuff is not just going to to come to you as it may have in the past. Indeed. Okay. Well, I, and I want to reserve some time for a really thorough discussion of uh, nutrition because that's a big component. It's not the end all and be all of brain health, but we're coming to realize that it's a it's a big piece of the puzzle. Uh, when we return, uh, we're with Doctor Philippe uh, Duyon. And Dr. Dion is a board-certified neurologist. Uh, he practices uh, in uh, New Jersey, close to uh, the New York metropolitan area. And he also has a great app that you can find on uh, the usual sources. Uh, it's on uh, the, the Apple Store, uh, the Brain Fit app, Dr. Dion's Brain Fit app. And it's free, and it's well worth uh, trying out because it's fun. And it's also uh, very educational. You'll learn a lot. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. And we'll be right back with more on the subject of brain health. This is Intelligent Medicine.